Let's go, South Beast. Beast mode. Keeping it simple with talk show host Christina Burnett and Andrew Stamper. But before we get started, let's take a moment for our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by the BeastCast team. Andrew and I would like to say Happy New Year, and we would like to thank all of you for your support in 2022 and looking forward to talking to you in 2023. But just a reminder, while at NSC, our executive team delivered our new mantra, and that is execute to win in 2023. Now go fight win. Ooh, Christina, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty inspired by that. That was that was uh, that was wonderful. How are you doing? I am doing really well. Happy New Year to you. Yes. Happy New Year to you and everybody else out there. Happy New Year for 2023. And I'm super excited because I think we're going to kickstart 2023 with the best possible way that we could. I don't know how excited you are, but the fact that we've got our our senior VP of U.S. sales and Steve Rusing here, I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little nervous, but I'm really excited to have this conversation. How about you? Same. I'm super excited about talking to Steve, but I'm also a little nervous, you know? Well, then, you know what? I think sometimes the best thing to do is just to dive right on in. So do you want to do you want to just uh, welcome? I know we've, I've just mentioned him, but do you want to you want to officially welcome Steve to the show? Absolutely. Uh, Steve Rusing, we are so excited to have you here at this Beast Cast being our number 11 Beast of the Week. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you again for for hopping on our podcast. We greatly appreciate it. We know that uh, certainly probably not starting the first day back is ideal to do a podcast interview. So we do appreciate it. But um, we're going to try to have some fun. Um, Are you ready for us to ask you a few questions today? Absolutely. Wonderful. If you wouldn't mind, whether briefly or feel free to expand upon it, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of a rundown of your of your journey, like as far as career personal to where you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, You know, how I got into the mattress industry was really, um, you know, one of the one of those things that just happened. I wasn't uh, people always ask me, how did I get into the mattress industry? And I always tell them, (laughs) well, you know, I've from from my time as a young man, I've always wanted to sell mattresses, but that wasn't (laughs) true. So, you know, like a lot of us, you just you just get into this business. Um, How I got into it is um, when I um, graduated college, I was working for a company called Versus, and I sold uh, computer hardware and software to um, vertical businesses, such as the construction industry, rental yards, et cetera. And I was looking to to leave there. Um, It was really very much a um, kill to eat you know, kill the live type of thing where you're doing a lot of prospecting and, you know, the product wasn't that great. So, you know, I was a young guy, it was time for a change. And, um, one of my friends, Tom Campo is, uh, was, was married to Kimmy Van Elzander. 
and I knew the Van Alexanders and the Van Alexanders are the Art Van family, right? Art Van Furniture. And so um, I told him what was going on. He said, well, hey, I know that they're, they're interviewing at Sealy um, for an account manager role. And uh, I said, great. So that's how it really got started. I, I uh, interviewed and obviously got the job there. And I worked on, um, I had, Art Van was my key account, but I also had Sears and Penny. So I did that for four years. Then I took a promotion to move to Kansas City to be the director of sales there. And, um, you know, it was interesting because that plant did less business than Art Van did. And the plant serviced Iowa, Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, you know, so it was really quite a change and a, and a shift. And, and then obviously I was, I was managing people. So I was there for four years and then I took a role as the New York district manager and my wife and I moved to uh, New York City and decided to live in the, in the city. Did that for two years, then took the role as the VP of the West region and moved to Chicago. Um, and we were, I was in that role for, I was in that role for four years as well. I had, had I was kitted around that I couldn't get reelected. So yeah, we moved there in 2002 and then I took a role in national accounts, handling mattress firms, sleep train, mattress discounters, Raymore and Flanagan accounts like that. And I did that um, until for a couple of years and then I replaced the SVP of uh, national accounts who had left. And uh, I did that role with Sealy, and then when Temper acquired Sealy, I did that role with TSI. Uh, and then uh, back in uh, January of twenty, I was um, promoted into this role. So that's the journey. Pretty extensive. Um, thank you very much for for sharing that. Now, obviously, you, you've worn so many so many different hats within our organization, and obviously through the 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 Sealy uh, TSI merging but like on a professional level what are some now, things Andrew, that you, now Andrew let me correct you that was not a merge <laughs> fair enough fair it enough it was an acquisition i always yes. have to make that clarification it was not a merger it was an yes. acquisition yes um well actually well now that we're on that what what did what was that experience like for you uh personally professionally i mean that was obviously huge within the within the industry what was what was that experience like for you um well, I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was interesting. For one, given that Sealy um, had been um, owned by private equity, and really the game is there that you, you build the business up, um, it's profitable, then, then you, know, you flip it to a private equity firm who loads you up with debt to pay for the purchase price. And, you know, then you got to work down that debt. So it's just sort of a, a, a hamster wheel. And we've gone through that quite a bit. And there was not a lot left to invest in the business. So the, the idea of Tempur-Pedic acquiring Sealy was um, very, very positive. But I think you, you then have to deal with the reality of an acquisition. And what I learned is when you're being acquired, there's whether you're being acquired or you're you're acquiring another company it's all about trust and you know it was all about could we trust 
the people at Tempur-Pedic. And um, you knew that there, there was going to be some some people that weren't going to stay and, you know, um, people they wanted or didn't want. So I would say that it was at time it was exciting, but it was also awkward at times. I can remember the first meetings that we would have with really a broad group of managers. It was like being at an, uh, a middle school dance. I mean, it just, it just really was an awkward thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, really when you look at it and, and you step back, the whole goal, um, Mark Savory was the CEO of uh, Temper. And, you know, the whole goal was to do one plus one equals three and, and initially in the first couple of years do no harm. And I think the, the, all of that turned out to be true. Um, Temper and Sealy together um, were a great complement. We worked awfully hard to do no harm. We worked awfully hard customer facing to be, to be one company and not to be two. And when you look at what's gone on with SSB, they struggled for many years being one company. Um, there were warring factions and we just, we, we would not tolerate that. You know, you had to put your legacy affections and points of view behind. Um, it's not temper, it's not Sealy, it's temper Sealy. So I think we did that real successfully and, um, you know, they struggled with it for, for many years. I don't know that, I think they're somewhat past it just because it's been so long, but their integration did not go nearly as well as ours. Mm-hmm. Switching gears a little bit, but still still very much in the, the same kind of like category as, you know, really focusing on you from a professional development and even just through like career growth, what are, what are things that, that you find that drive you professionally? Um, I, I think what drives me is, um, is winning <laughs> and winning means a lot of things when winning, you know, whether it's, it's, um, battles with the competition for new business or expanding our, um, assortment on the floor winning is, um, as it relates to the team is to developing a strong team, um, you know, we were, we're very focused on our people and, and winning is, you know, helping people develop, helping people get through adversity, um, having them come out the other side, you know, all of that is a driver for me. And you can't win unless, unless you have a strong team. And, you know, that takes a lot of effort in terms of making sure you hire the right people, that you develop people and that you build the right culture for people to thrive in. Are there any specific, maybe like proud winning moments that you can think of throughout your, that your career that anything that stands out? Um, I think for me, all of the proud winning moments um, are ones that um, are, are where I was, our team wins. I don't really, um, you know, I'm very much as you guys probably know, the team, the team, the team. So I don't, really reflect on my personal uh, accomplishments, but I, you know, I'd say there's a number of team wins and you can go to, yeah, gosh, you, you can look at the integration, which I believe as a team and the sales team, we, we executed better than the competition. 
when we had to go into the recapture mode after we uh, terminated our agreement with Mattress Firm. Um, and it's pretty wild. That's five years ago. I realized that there, it's going to be coming. It's going to be coming on six years. And I realized a lot of people may not have been here uh, during that time. But that was a pretty amazing moment that we walked away from our largest customer, 21% of the business. Kehoe talked a lot about it at the um, NSC, but how we rallied together, that, that was something that was so great to be a part of. Um, I think how we handled uh, COVID, um, you know, that, that was uh, challenging and tough. You know, when we we went through that time period and went through the furloughs and, um, you know, our commitment was to bring everyone back as soon as possible. But how the, the, the team rallied around that, I skipped out a little bit in chronological order. But the 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 way that we reconciled mattress firm, we reconciled with mattress firm, we added big lots and we didn't give up those recapture gains. And that was by design in terms of you know, how we executed, how Matt Firm handled pricing of UPP. So I look at those things as big, um, big successes that, that were not my successes, but really were a um, team success. When you, when you reflect back on whether it was the, the, the divorce, if you will, and, or even COVID, are there, are there anything that, is there anything that stands out that you learned about yourself from, from those, from those periods? Um, I think what I learned about um, myself and about the team is that we're pretty damn resilient. I, I don't know. You always hear like in people talk or business books or whatever, you know, you, you, you have to not, can't be afraid of change and, you know, you got to be able to handle change management, you know, we're built for it. I mean, mm-hmm. we've gone through a ton of change. So I, I, I would say it's the uh, resiliency. Yeah. What builds that great resiliency and that great, that, that great culture and having that, I mean, where does that, like, how do you, how does, how do, how do you build that? Um, you know, when I, so my role changed from um, in 16 from SV, SVP of um, national accounts. So I, I kept all the accounts except for mattress ferment. Then I took on the field and before I took that job, you know, I, I obviously talked to the DVPs. I talked to all of the directors, all of the FSMs, and I wanted to get a pulse for what was going on. From there, you know, I shared the feedback uh, with the with my team and, and we talked about it. And then we sort of formulated a, a plan. And that really, it really was this, what we call our leadership framework, you know, with our with our flywheel. And, you know, really the four pillars being culture, morale, people development, cross-functional collaboration. That really um, is what we what we built and, and refined and have worked on over the years. I think I think when you have that strong culture, um, it's what's going to win the day when you when you're faced with things that challenge your resiliency or when you, when you when you're dealing with really big events when you when you have big events like that you got to lean on your culture and part of our culture and part of our you know the things that we value in terms of work style is tenacity and grit and i think the the team certainly showed that um, through both of those uh, incidences i guess you'd call them yeah for sure now at the NSC, 
with your conversation uh, with, with with Scott, which, by the way, thank you. I I, I don't know how many people like uh, reach out and tell you this, but those conversations are like just just some of my favorite moments from the the NSCs. But what I found really fascinating was, you know, like Scott's, you know, um, very very, you know, bluntly, like, hey, you know, this is going to be a really really challenging year, and obviously we've got execute to win as kind of our 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 mantra of the year. So for you, my question is, how do we how do we really do that? How what's the best way that we're going to put our foot our feet forward for executing to win this in in twenty twenty three? Well, I think um, you know we chose uh, when we when we choose those team purposes. There's a tremendous amount of thought that goes into it, right? And um, you know, I start thinking about it in the spring, and by the time we have my leadership team meeting in August, we have to figure out what that team purpose is. But you need some, you, you need to get into the year because every year brings um, things that are unforeseen or new challenges or twists and all that. So we consciously picked Execute to Win knowing that we're not executing well as a company and specifically it's you know it's not news to to to, to the team you know our, our we have some plants that have been really challenged and um plants that service your, your guys customers and we thought gosh should we go with execute to win or not no we're going to go with execute to win because the truth of the matter is the thing the only thing that's going to prevent us from succeeding is our ability to execute and and right now right now we're not there now you we can't control operations right um you really have to control your controllables and i think it's important andrew that to know that you know i've been doing this a long time as you mentioned there were years where um you know the you know the, the at Sealy where we may have been shipping really well um but it was product no one wanted <laughs> you know the difference here is we have product that people want and consumers want to buy but we're having some issues shipping now back in those days when they didn't want it we had to find ways to win we had to offset a weakness right uh and our weakness was really the value of our product so we would find ways to win with our relationships we'd find ways to win with creative merchandising you have to find a way to win you know rarely are we hitting on all cylinders right um sometimes it happens and it's a beautiful thing and right now you know what the the purpose of the nsc and execute to win is is I need you guys to control your controllables. And, and it really starts with you. And, you know, if we have other facets of our, of our business that aren't operating optimally, then I need you to overcompensate and be that much better because it does matter. It does make a difference. And look, the, the shipping thing is, is tough. You know, I, I will give a quote from my brother that um little, little levity but it's reality um good shipping doesn't last and neither does bad shipping this this will get resolved um this will get handled it's not going to be as quickly as we like the entire senior executive team is completely aware of it and focused that doesn't mean it gets fixed easily or quickly but we are on it we're aware of it it's a number one priority but i, I need the team 
and 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 in spite of all of that going on is you control your controllables and i need you guys to execute at the highest level despite the fact that you got other parts of the business that aren't where it needs to be absolutely and steve thank you so much i know we only just have a couple more minutes uh, remaining but you had earlier referenced tenacity and grit and i'm just kind of curious if there are any other qualities or what you feel maybe is the most important quality to be successful? Yeah, I would say um, from a, um, you know, in terms of, of what I've seen in my career, what people need to have to be successful, there's, there's IQ and there's EQ. And really EQ is your emotional intelligence, and that's having self-awareness, um, knowing how others perceive you, knowing yourself. So to me, uh, you know, I've seen some really, really high IQ people not be as successful as they could or should be because they have a low EQ. So I, I would just say as a, as a, as a you know, a, a thing that, that you need to be thoughtful about is, is, is your EQ, is, you know, how you control your emotions, how you handle it. You know, I would tell you, <laughs> I, I, I've probably some of the, the smartest things I've ever done or said are the, thing, are, the, are the times when I didn't say anything or do anything. <laughs> Right. And you, you just, you just think about that. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't respond to that email in that way. Um, I didn't take this or that as a slight or get emotional about it. So, you know, that's one thing you got to work on. I think the, I think when it comes to culture and leadership and it sounds like a, um, you know, an overused word, but transparency is so critically important. Trust is the basis of all relationships. And so one of the things that I always prioritize and make time to do is um, to speak at division meetings or region meetings, any, t any chance I get to get in front of the, the sales team and to speak with them and to show them that transparency is critical to building culture. In the absence of that, people um, without that communication, without that interaction, people will will tend to draw their own conclusions, and it and it does mean you have to have you have to answer hard questions. Um, you know, to me, it's so critically important because, you know, our our culture is so critically important to our success. So, you know, make no mistake, there's an ROI to it. But I would tell you the other thing is. It's, I, I want to be somewhere as much time as we spend working and the people that we work with, I want to spend it in an environment that I feel really good about, you know, I, that I feel proud about, that I know that the company is always going to have challenges or issues, but I know that, um, you know, that, that the right people are aware of it and that they're going to do the right thing and that they're going to, they're going to focus on getting it fixed. So that's a, a long answer, but to a really good question. Well, thank you. Uh, I don't really have much else. And this certainly isn't going to be a, a great question by any means, but I'm looking at that mug behind you. Is that, is that a Yankees mug? Uh, that is a, uh, 
Yeah, we're at this right here. Yeah. Yes, sir. There's the Yankees bug, uh, yeah, mug, and then there's the Michigan floating helmet. So I don't know, can the, you see that? Oh, there it is. Because I wanted to, I wanted to like find what the hell happened last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened was uh, you saw a team that um, really for for 13 games really had their way with the competition and when they were faced with the adversity or a situation such as them not really being able to effectively run the ball or stop the ball they weren't they weren't prepared they didn't have they didn't have a contingency plan on how to deal with that um and uh you know and and you know look they still could have won the game despite that they just made so many mistakes um and i think they uh, you know and you know you can't have two pick sixes and fumble going into the end zone so again um if they would have you know been focused on executing to win (laughs) they might have won that game but you don't get i mean right there those are three think about it those are three touchdowns right there Mm -hmm. two pick sixes and a fumble in the end zone that's 21 points yep I was really hoping to have a little bit of a like some smack talking with a with the possibility of a Michigan versus Georgia national championship. I'm here in Atlanta, and obviously uh, um, UGA football is a big deal. Obviously, oh, but yeah. I mean it's, it's huge here, and obviously we 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 know and with with our teams and everything, we know that Michigan football is huge to you. So you know, here's hoping that maybe next year's a you know better fortune. But regarding the Yankees, I mean. Their 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 crosstown you know rival and, and the Mets made some really really big big uh, acquisitions uh, this fall. Do you still think the the Yankees are going to be the big team in New York this year? Man, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I think the Mets are giving them a run for the money. Yeah. I mean, I, what he what he what he's spending what he's spending is like cuckoo though. It's, it's in, nuts. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, um, it's certainly creating a lot of excitement. So mm-hmm. we'll see. It all comes down to winning. Christina, that's all I've got. If there's anything that you have that you want to finish up or, you know, to take us on out, hopefully uh, this conversation has been every bit as fun for our listeners as it was for Christina and I uh, recording this. So, Christina, close this on out. Well, Yes, I want to just uh, say the same that Andrew just said. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining us. It's such an honor. And we look forward to hearing this BeastCast. And guess what, guys? We look forward to talking to you at our BeastCast number 12. Coming at you live. Let's go, Beast. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go, South Beast. Beast mode. <laughs>